We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 122. Scott is out this week. My guest host will be Barstool JJ. You've heard him on the podcast a couple times in the past. He'll be joining me in just a few minutes. Before that, a reminder, and you should not need one since we've been saying it for weeks and weeks at this point, but Scott and I will be at Yankee Spring Training in Tampa on March 24th and 25th. That's about two weeks away. It's coming up quick. We have a podcast listener and Bronx Pinstripes website meetup on Friday the 24th at 6 p.m. at Southern Brewery and Winemaking. That's about a 10-minute drive from Steinbrenner Field, so we'll be at that Friday afternoon game versus the Phillies, and then we're heading over to that bar afterwards. Hopefully, many of you listening and many of you who are going to be down there that weekend will be able to join us. We're we're really excited about this event because it's kind of the first one we're doing uh, of these kind of events. It's going to be very informal. There's no ticket costs or anything like that. It's going to be laid back meetup where we just want to, you know, have a few beers, meet the listeners, talk some Yankees baseball, and just have a good time. Uh, The next day on Saturday, we're going to be at the 1 o'clock game versus the Blue Jays. Our plan for that game is to just hang out in the right field bar area and soak in that lovely Florida sun, probably nursing a hangover from the night before. And hopefully not getting too sunburned in the process. And hopefully the Yankees will be kicking the Blue Jays' ass. If you're going to be in Tampa that weekend, tweet us at Yankees Podcast, at Andrew underscore Rotondi, and at Scott Reinen. Definitely, definitely go to that Friday event at Southern Brewery and Winemaking at 6 p.m. on that Friday. Next up is the 25% off code for this week. Use code TAMPA. I know what you're saying. Hey, that's the same code as last week, and you are right, and that is because Scott is halfway across the globe, so he's not able to do whatever it is he does on the back end of the website to make the new code, so let's use the same one, Tampa, for 25% off on all Bronx pinstripes gear in the fan shop. My BP hat just came. It is pretty freaking awesome. Cannot wait to wear it down in Tampa. Final thing, give the podcast a rating and review in iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, wherever else you listen to the show. 
I cannot stress enough how much this helps the the ratings and it helps convince new listeners to give the podcast a shot. And uh, that's going to help us grow and help us give a better show for you guys. So please give uh, give us a five star rating and review in iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, etc. All right, let's get into it with JJ. And we're back. I'm with Barstool JJ. JJ, uh, what's going on? Last time we talked to you, it was right before the Yankees signed Chapman. So a lot has happened since the last time you were on this podcast. Yeah, I know. I hadn't yet Wally pipped Scott, but <laughs> that's going on right now. You're listening to a live Wally pipping. Yeah, no, I mean, we got Chapman. We had just gotten Matt Holiday. Um, and it's been a pleasure to see how big his forearms are. Dude is just massive. And I think as as I saw more pictures of him and how fit he is, it convinced me that he might be a solid DH for this team. I think he's having a, a, a pretty decent spring training too. Yeah, he's batting over he's batting over four hundred. He seems like a good dude. Like that's so stupid to say, but he just seems like a fun dude to hang out with and and just a good clubhouse guy. And I think that does have value, especially considering maybe some of the lesser clubhouse guys this team has had in recent years. Yeah, and he strikes me as I think it's just he's physically intimidating on TV. Like when I'm looking at him, I see him when you see a guy with those forearms, you're like, all right, he does like he does man shit. He's not, you know, just like, what is he doing? Is he chopping wood to get those forearms? He's got lumberjack forearms those can't be just made in a gym he's got to be doing some manual labor to get there and i feel like especially with the young team even though he's new to this team if someone were to start acting up in the clubhouse he would just be like hey and everyone just stops yeah scott made this point a few weeks ago that if there is a brawl this season the yankees are in good shape between holiday chris carter and aaron judge that is a lot of beef to put out there and just mess with anybody yeah i mean and Girardi's probably the most jacked manager in the league that dad strength goes a long way yeah and Torres keeps a lucha libre mask in his pocket and he's hurry karanaing everyone Sabathia is crazy, so it's a pretty pretty fierce team in in that sense. I love when Sabathia charges out of the dugout. He looks like uh, National Geographic, like a mama bear. When <laughs> you see like someone go after a cub and the mama bear gets on the two legs, yeah, I love. That reminds me, um, I a couple four or five years ago at this point, I was in Israel on a birthright trip, and we were on a hike, and our guide who was um, had a thick Israeli accent stopped and looked terrified because he spotted a wild hog and it was a female and she was protecting her 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 young hogs and she would have just torn through our group if we did anything to scare her yeah that's sabathia (laughs) speaking of scott and you wally pipping him uh it might not be an issue you and i were talking earlier on on dms on twitter that with the videos Scott's putting out of his food crawling all over his plate, he might not even come back to the U.S. alive. So you might be our full-time co-host going forward. Sweet. If I can get one of those uh, Meet Me at the Bat shirts for free, I'll take the <laughs> job. And, uh, you know, for Scott, uh, R.I.P. in peace. He, was, he sent me a video the other day. Of He was out uh, somewhere, and it was just these, these women. Oh, God, I just pulled up his Twitter. Oh, that's disgusting. Yep. I haven't seen that. Yeah. That is disgusting. Yeah. Like oh. he's dead. He's dead. He's dead. Oh. If you for everyone listening, go to at Scott Reinen and look at the video he posted. It's these slug looking green things, which I think have eyes that are basically craw- crawling around the plate as they're being cooked, maybe. I don't even know. Oh, it's just it's like a a pot of stranger things. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Hey, so I didn't mean to interrupt it. That was disgusting. That's Taiwan for you. Oh, why would you go there? It's so far. Chimnin Wong. Uh, that's what he grew up on. That's what he. That's what he ate every day. That's how he got that hard hard sinker. Oh, you can't get over twenty games with eating <laughs> that. You get stuck at nineteen. So uh, hopefully Scott makes it back alive. But um, like we were saying, uh, a lot's happened in this off season. How? I think last time we were also talking, you 
and the three of us expected Brett Gardner to be traded, and that just didn't happen. Are you okay with that? You a little mad because maybe it'll be blocking Clint Frazier? Or how do you feel about that? Yeah, I think for right now, I'm fine with it. Um, if the right – I don't want him to just get dumped, just get dumped. Now, he's not having a, a great spring at all. Um, you know, Clint Frazier's having a, a much better a much better spring than him in about the same amount of playing time, uh, which is going to raise questions. And maybe, you know, his stock was the highest during this offseason. But if the right deal wasn't there, I don't think Gardner himself really brings much back. Gardner and some prospects bring something back big. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I'm sure we'll talk more about it as the season goes on. If you've got a team that's right, you know, right on the cusp and they have a guy go down, they're a veteran bat away. They think, you know, and let's say Gardner's having a decent season and they just say, all right, we can get this guy to come in. He's played in the World Series. He's played, you know, in New York every day his whole career. Then he becomes more valuable and he might be worth, you know, two prospects. Obviously, we're not going to get a Clint Frazier, you know, type prospect back. But we might get, you know, two guys who, uh, you know, can can possibly contribute at some point. Yeah, it would be, I think, the main factor there would be clearing some roster space for, for Frazier or whoever else it, it may be. But I think if if uh, Cashman was going to trade Gardner, it was going to have to be this offseason. And, like, when the Nationals traded for Adam Eaton, I thought the Nationals were going to be a really good trade partner if they wanted Brett Gardner. So maybe if, like, that deal with Eaton fell through, maybe they would have taken, you know, on – Brett Gardner but it has to be a specific team like you said it's not gonna not all the all of the teams out there are gonna be looking for Brett Gardner yeah I think even you know he's got a team friendly deal but there's a lot of a lot of young great players out there and if you and it's also gonna come down to where are we because I'm you know again I'm sure we'll talk about it but this this team isn't bad this is not a bad team these young guys are exciting It'll be interesting to see, you know, how it plays out over they're playing more games than they've ever played before um, when they actually get to the Bronx, if they can keep it going. But these guys are playing really well. They could shock some people, be contending for a playoff spot. And then at that point, we've got all these prospects. We've got a gardener. We've got stuff that's valuable if we need to go out and get another arm. I don't think bats are really going to be the problem. It's going to be the arm. So if we have to go get another arm or two, it's better to hold on to to things now and have these, you know, have these cards to play later on. And you can't keep Frazier down. There's a chance Frazier makes this team. But if someone gets injured, you know, Ellsbury goes down with one of his thousand injuries that he has or if Gardner gets banged up or Judge missed a lot of time at the end of last year. We've got Aaron Hicks, who is uh, who no one wants to see. Player. Let's be let's be real. No one wants to see Aaron yeah. Hicks. Nobody wants to see him at all. And if you know, then you've got Frazier to come up. So you kind of need some flexibility in the in the way we're built because we don't have you know. Otherwise, if someone gets hurt, then you're going to see Hicks playing every day. I think Matt Holiday drops off dramatically. If we ask him to play the field every day too. Yeah, I'm not I'm not looking forward to him playing left field. It might happen once in a while, but he's he's gonna be the primary primary DH. And between Gardner and Ellsbury, like they will get injured. I mean, glass for bones for both of them. And at least Gardner plays hard. Uh Ellsbury, I think, is kind of a pussy, but but between the two of them, they'll miss some time. So that might open up a, a roster spot as well. Ellsbury has been out. He stole three bases this year, and he's openly said in the past, I don't like stealing, you know, trying to steal bases in spring training, trying to save it, don't want to hurt myself. So he might be out there with something to prove because, I mean, he's got the internet. He sees the papers. Everyone's saying, you know, not only would it be great if you could be traded, but there is no situation in the world where anyone would take you. And (laughs) that's got to hurt as a man. Think about all of the lousy god-awful contracts the Yankees have handed out between Kevin Brown and Carl Pavano and Kay Agawa and you could make an argument Jacoby Ellsbury's is the worst ever maybe the worst 
like it's between him and Pujols for the worst contract in the sport. At least Fat Albert is fun to get behind and root for. Yeah, but you know he's tying up a lot of money for a team that doesn't really have it. That's the one, um, the one thing that we have going for us is like the money doesn't matter. Well, this year it might because I think that. I mean, because you remember the report that Cashman had four million to work with after he signed Holiday and uh, and Chapman, and it's kind of laughable because the Yankees spent ninety nine million bucks on the two of those players, and for a team like Kansas City, that that's like a decade worth of off seasons. So yep. it's not like they were cheap this off season, but I think Hal has a budget in mind. I don't. Th- I think before that twenty nineteen season, when all of those guys are free agents, he wants to be under the tax threshold so he can go bonkers. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they play that because I think they're, you know, like you said, the game plan is to get under that. But if this team surprises some people, it's, you know, they, they're contending for a wild card spot and it's like, well, we got to go out and trade for someone. That could go with a Steinbrenner at the helm. That plan could go out the window very quickly. And you know they'll do it. Because that playoff appearance is too tempting for them. Yep. And, and as a fan, as a Yankees fan, I I want I would want them to if they were if they were within a handful of games at the trade deadline of a playoff spot and they punt or even sell, I'd be kind of pissed. Last year, I was all for it because they struck while the iron was hot and got a bunch of prospects and overhauled their system. But if they totally pass on a playoff chance this season, me, along with a lot of fans, would be angry. Yeah, oh, and I think not only is it the fans, because the fans last year we were able to get behind selling because we had these young guys come up, and with what Gary Sanchez did, and we had the the Austin home run, we had the, um, you know, the back-to-back with Judge, it was pretty exciting stuff. So it gave us, you know, it, it distracted us. But you sell this year, there's nothing really to distract us because who the, who are you going to sell? You're selling off scrap pieces or you're, you're not going out and being competitive. And it also sends a message to those players to say, well, we don't think you guys are really good enough to make a run that, like, if we added someone, it would help. So we're actually going to make you guys worse. Yeah, and – also, though, if they if they're bad, if they're just bad and the and the young players are struggling, I'm fine with them continuing to have them develop. Like my expectations for this season, like they're so wide, it could go anywhere from there. They'll win like 70 games to they could be in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. It, this could be an absolute disaster or this could be that team like there's always like a young dumb team, you know, a couple years ago with the Royals didn't win the World Series, but they were just like this young team who just kind of figured it out. The 2015 pick, Cubs. Yeah. You're just like, "Ah, they don't they don't know that they're supposed to lose." You got to keep in mind these guys have played, they were the best players on their little league team, best on their high school team. If they went to college, they were some of the best college players. Now, our double-A team and our triple-A team last year both won championships. These guys are used to winning. They haven't been like, oh, well, we're just going out there to you know, figure out what we're going to do in two years. It's all they're used to doing. They haven't accepted defeat. And that's kind of, you know, I, I, you can't directly compare them you know, fully yet. But like that's how Jeter was to start his career. Jeter sat in the dugout in 95, and he wasn't on that team, so it really wasn't him. Then he won in 96, lost in 97, and was just like this. And he has said, that was the worst. I, I didn't understand that. And went on to win three in a row. I uh, I c- can't help but think of the comparisons between Jeter and Gleyber Torres. I think Torres is a can't-miss prospect at this point. It's it's fucking exciting. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm allowed to curse on this. I'm not going to edit it out. It's It's exciting. Um. The, you know, to just to see, even because when we got him, it was, uh, he was in single A. He's a single A player. And then even when they said we're going to send him the the Arizona Fall League, it was a bit of a stretch, I thought. Like, all right, like, really? We're going to send him there a single A guy who's, you know, 19 years old? 
And then he went out there and won the MVP. And now he got invited. I thought, hey, he's going to get invited to spring training. We've seen a lot of minor league guys. You know, last year, Judge got invited to spring training. And he's sent down by now. But these guys, he's up there. Him and Frazier were both supposed to just get a little experience and then go down to the minor league camp. And they're both putting up numbers and fighting for a spot. That's why this spring training has been probably the most exciting that I can remember uh, because anytime those young kids come into play, they do something good and they do something that's worthy of putting up a blog. It's really fun. Yeah, it, uh, it's the year this year is hopefully the year where we get some personality too. Yes, you know, please. these guys are going to have handshakes. You know, I don't want to see them, uh, you know, doing exactly what the Red Sox do in the outfield. But, you know, even those things, as much as I hate the Red Sox, like, oh, that's a cool thing. The fans get behind it. It's exciting. Like, it's time for us to have something. Well, personality, the Yankees just made Clint Frazier cut his off. I am – I'm fine with that. I'm totally fine with that. I said – I wrote a blog last week where I said, we just need to make a decision. Cut it off. Don't cut it off. Tell him what you want to do. And so I know I know for a fact that they did tell him to cut his hair. And they went to him and said, you need to cut your hair. You can't play at the major league level for us with your hair that long. He said, you know, hey, I took, I took some off when I got traded here, like you asked. I took another inch off. I took another inch off. And they said, that's well and good. But we need you to cut it shorter. And you're playing great, but we need you to cut it shorter. And... Uh, last year, we had Gamble had hair just like Frazier's, and they called him up in the middle of the season. But he's not, and that was an example people use. Like Gamble had the same hair, but he's not here anymore. And he also was never going to be the player they hoped Frazier to be. Exactly. And I think in an off season where <clears throat> since Clint Frazier's been traded for, he tweeted at Jen Salter asking for a date right away. He's been out on social media. He got a slap on the wrist for that. Yeah. He got um, – he's popped up on TMZ out in the city. He's all over social media. He's got a girlfriend now. He's, you know, posting a lot of pictures of them together and all <laughs> this stuff. Dude's in love now. <laughs> he's, in, he's in love right now. Puppy dog love. Is – you know what? Hey, that's nice and all, but you're 22. You're probably not going to marry this girl. She's still in college, so like that breakup is gonna. What's the slump gonna be like when you break up? Well, can I just interject for a second? Like the way he's posting about her, and I get it. Maybe this is his first serious girlfriend. We can all remember a time when that happened. But I'm like terrified he's gonna get called up, hit a home run, and then that's gonna be his cue to propose to this girl. Oh my god, I would throw up everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's I my would worst throw up nightmare. Everywhere. But I think in, like, all those things, and not even saying, like, all of those things are bad. I mean, maybe the Jen Seltzer thing, like, it was funny. It's great for social media. It's kind of the new era of, you know, athletes. But that doesn't fly with the Yankees. And him just cutting his hair shows uh, I'm here and I want to be here. Yeah, absolutely. And he, he said all the right things. He did all the right things. But it's just kind of typical Yankees to be making headlines for the fact that uh, they're making their players cut their hair. And also a couple weeks ago with the whole uh, Randy Levine, Batances comments. It's just, I'm really sick of these kinds of PR headlines that the Yankees can't help themselves to be making. Like that's a Mets move is like, all you see about the Mets right now is like Tim Tebow did this and Tim Tebow did that. Like, aren't the Yankees above those kind of trashy headlines? Hopefully, you know, that's what you would think, but and it's just like this is the year where all that – because A-Rod's gone. There's no distraction off the field. They're, the only thing was, oh, what's A-Rod going to do when he comes to camp to be an instructor? And it was like, oh, he took a bunch of guys out to dinner. The media and, you know, like the mainstream media is looking for something to write because they don't make a good living off uh, – the Yankees got 12 hits, scored six runs, and won, and everyone played well, and everyone's getting along. They don't make any money that way. So they're looking for things, and that's why it was, you know, the Batances thing was handled so terribly. Um, I think in time, 
uh, that's, you know, time heals all wounds. They could either make that money up to him over, you know, the next couple of years. Um, you know, as long as they're not going to arbitration, I think they've learned don't go to arbitration with this guy. Find, you know, I mean, middle a, ground. I think it's a bad idea for a lot of players, especially someone like Batances, who is from the Bronx, has been nothing but ridiculously good for you. Fan favorite. Like, what are you doing? Just have a little uh, PR smarts before you take this guy to court and bash him. Just, you know, sell it, you know, settle at four. Yeah. He wants five. You want to give him three? Settle at four. You know, I think for both sides, that ends up, you know, looking fine. Even if he says no and says, no, like, I need that five, then, you know, you leak that to the media at some point. Then he looks uh, a little bad there. But you shouldn't be playing these media games. And I think time heals all wounds. He's going to go out, have, you know, great years. If he has a bad year or, you know, he blows some games or something, hopefully Levine doesn't fucking come out and say, oh, well, this is why we only gave him three. <laughs> like, get Randy Levine away from a microphone. Muzzle him. Muzzle his ass. And uh, But I, I think that I think that is going to be overcome. Uh, I wish... I get the pride in playing for your country. The World Baseball Classic's been great. I wish kind of coming off of that uh, arbitration hearing, Batances was in camp because there's a lot of exciting stuff going on. And you kind of want, you know, you wish everyone was there buying in the whole time. I wish none of our guys were out playing in this uh, in this thing. But I think, you know, he's going to find his place. And he's got Chapman there. And when he looks at, you know, the two of them, and whoever they put in that seventh inning spot, you know, they, they have the opportunity to do something, you know, iconic. And uh, I think we'll get over it. Yeah, I mean, I just hope – part of me is fearful that he is going to be slightly resentful towards the Yankees. Just like, um, you know, with the hair thing, I hope Clint Frazier is not resentful toward the, towards the Yankees. I think he's a kid who's going to get over it pretty quickly. He can grow his hair out in the offseason and grow I a think beard he's and do about. I think he's resentful about everything. He's 22 years old. <laughs> right. And he's against the world at this point. Like, screw the man. Yeah. And by the time he has the opportunity to, you know, go to free agency, it's going to, you know, he'll have one, if not more, World Series rings. Um, I know his management team knows the value of being in New York over the course of your, you know, major league career versus starting off in New York and then ending up in, you know, Seattle. <laughs> weird weird that you picked that example. Yeah, you know, it's just a good place for uh, for young guys to go, especially if they're Hispanic. <laughs> Solid 6,000 miles away from the Dominican Republic. If you want to be the third guy, uh, the third Dominican in Seattle, they'll pay you. Uh, it's, it's – but, like – the fact that we have to ha had to have said all of that, shouldn't it just be a rule that is abolished at this point? Like, what are we holding on to? This tradition, quote, tradition. I saw that word so much. It's the Yankee tradition. No, it's just another reason for people to hate the Yankees and for their players to resent them. Like, that whole issue um, with Mattingly back in the 90s. Like, I saw that article that Jack Curry wrote back in, like, 1992 being retweeted, and we posted about it on the website um, that Mattingly was so resentful at one point he asked to be traded. Yes, he got over it, but it's just like, what are we doing here? This is this is this is sports entertainment. This isn't this isn't like some this isn't politics. This isn't like some government job. Well, so I wrote a blog when I said, listen, it, it might be time to get rid of the rule. Um, and if you're going to get rid of the rule, you got to get rid of it overall. You got to say, hey, we're done with this rule. But if you're going to keep the rule, everyone's got to follow the rule. And as much as people say, oh, it's so stupid. Look at the Yankees. Oh, of course, the Yankees are like that. Get with the times. All the non-Yankee fan haters. I was in a fraternity in college. And when you walked in, we had this big, beautiful Georgia-style mansion and when you walked in, living room on the left, living room on the right, big staircase, big, beautiful staircase. And then there was a sign right next to it, a plaque on the wall that said, the front staircase is for brothers only. 
there is a rear staircase for all guests. And people would have to go and use the back staircase, and it was dark and narrow and, you know, not as nice, didn't have composites and stuff. And people would always ask, why do you why do you have this? This is stupid. It's just stairs. How come uh, you know, I'm this guy's girlfriend. How come I can't walk up? You know, uh, if you're family, you could, but otherwise you can. People would always say, why? And we said, because listen, this is a house full of distractions. There's a, a, a cooler downstairs with 100 cases of beer in it. There's a stage, a stripper pole. There's drugs in almost every room. There's a, a lot of partying that can be done here. But when you walk in this house, the first thing you're hit with is a rule. So you at least understand that there are rules here and you can't just screw around. And I think that carries over to New York. First thing, you're going to come. You can be distracted by a lot of stuff here. But we're here to do work. You're not in New York to party. You're not here to be at TMZ, not to be at clubs all night. You're here to do a job and to look professional. And I think that it sets a tone. It's a good analogy. Now, but uh, now that A-Rod's gone, who's, uh, whose locker has the stripper pole in front of it? Ah, I mean, it's, Clint's probably going to have one installed soon. <laughs> uh, they'll, that's how they'll have to haze all of the rookies. Uh, although I think they got rid of that too, uh, MLB-wide. Yeah, I think MLB just said, like, you can't dress them up in Halloween costumes anymore. <laughs> of course. Um, and uh, this whole hair thing, I, I promise we'll put it to bed after this. But everyone was saying, well, are they going to make Bryce Harper cut his hair when he signs with the Yankees? Obviously. Yes. <laughs> I yes. mean, obviously. And, and Bryce Harper will probably, knowing him, uh, shave before free agency just just to make it a point. That he wants to come to the Yankees. Bryce Harper grew up a Yankees fan, always wanted to be a Yankee. Like, they're not – it's not going to be some surprise to him. Um, I always kind of use another analogy. I always say – like, and don't get me wrong, I think school teachers are very important. But they always complain about what they make. And I said, well, you didn't show up the first day and spin a wheel to find out what you make. Everyone knows teachers don't make a lot of money. If you wanted to make a lot of money, then you shouldn't have done what you're doing now. And if you want to sign with the Yankees, you know you got to shave. Years ago, I think David Price said, I wouldn't sign with the Yankees because I wouldn't want to shave my beard. Uh, but at the same time, Bryce Harper better put up some better numbers if he wants to get uh, signed by the Yankees. We might not want him, especially now that he's married. He's, he doesn't play good when he's with that girl. <laughs> Very true. And especially the fact that, hey, maybe Aaron Judge and Clint Frazier and Blake Rutherford will be patrolling the outfield at Yankee Stadium and we won't even need Bryce Harper. Yeah. Um so uh Arod made some headlines this past week. Uh what were you more excited about? The fact that he's going to be full-time Fox analyst and we get to hear his uh spectacular uh in-game and post-game calls on TV all season or that he is reportedly dating JLo? I think I'm more excited about the Fox thing because He's it's not even it's so weird to be excited about something like that. Not ironically, like when they put Pete Rose on, it's like, oh, Pete Rose gonna be back. Great, because he's a lunatic <laughs> like a rod is phenomenal. He's good at baseball analysis. He's, he's really amazing. Good. I think he has an opportunity if he decides like it's what he wants to do. If he were to just stick with this. He would make the Hall of Fame as a broadcaster as well. He's oh, very good at Wouldn't that be the most beautiful irony? I think he'll end up going into managing at some point. But I was more excited for that. And only because the J-Lo thing is just like just too late. If he had done it five years ago, if he did it like right when he got divorced and he had. Like when he was dating yeah. Kate Hudson, like the 09 yeah. World Series run. If you had. Remember when he – I don't even know if he did play for them. Uh, he talked about playing for the Dominican in the World Baseball Classic. One of the years he did, and the other year he played for the U.S. <laughs> okay. In, in classic yeah. A-Rod fashion. So he was like, you know, I want to get in touch with my Hispanic roots. That <laughs> There's nothing better than J-Lo. You're in the Bronx, and you get J-Lo. You're Dominican, Puerto Rican, whatever you are. You are the most Hispanic person in the world if you are A-Rod dating J-Lo, playing for the Yankees. And she's in a suite with, like, uh, you know, 
like Fat Joe and the rest of the terror squad. It would be amazing. It's just it's crazy that how uh, he and Jeter are completely living inverse lives. Like Jeter was doing this back in the 90s when he was hooking up with every hot celebrity, Scarlett Johansson, uh, the girl from Fast and Furious, uh, Mariah Carey, the list goes on. And A-Rod was married at that time, and now A-Rod's divorced, and he's uh, he's getting it all out of his system at age 42. At, like, in a, a wild way, too, it was like, let me get these, let me get Tori Wilson, female professional wrestler, let me get some other, like, Amazon-looking chicks. Madonna. Madonna, ooh. Kate Hudson, like, that was, that was great. Then he had the, the billionaire, the Google Just ex-wife. to launch A-Rod Corp. Let me tell you, I wrote blogs like because, you know, she's an older woman, not really attractive. I sat like one section over from her um, behind uh, in Legends at a game last year. And I didn't notice who she was. My wife caught me. We were inside Legends, caught me staring at her ass. Oh, and I was like, that's me and my wife praise. Will, me and my wife will notice asses together. Uh, and. Uh, she was like, oh, that's a, yeah, that's A-Rod's girlfriend. I looked up. I was like, holy shit. That is – that lady with that face has a fantastic butt. So, But now he's got the most famous yeah. butt of all time. <laughs> now, now that's – there's no butt that compares to J-Lo. There's no more famous butt. Yeah. It's beautiful. A-Rod – I mean, A-Rod, it's just crazy how much more likable as a player, as a person he is post post-playing career pretty much since he came back from the suspension yeah all he had to do he just i don't know if it's like a new pr team he took classes he's just not trying too hard he had to become a human he wasn't a human yeah he was a robot before yeah but that's what's gonna happen you're drafted number one overall out of high school you get the biggest contract in baseball like you're gonna be weird there's no way to not be weird yeah absolutely and 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 like you were saying like you and I are both legitimately excited, no, not in an ironic way, that he's going to be calling baseball games because he's very talented at it. Not even just like that. They put out all these extras of like during the playoffs, they would show videos of him, Frank Thomas, and Pete Rose watching the games. And you could see like behind the scenes how he talks about like, oh, here's what he should do. And it's like a, a managerial thought process. We always get during games – we know, like, oh, we're going to talk to Joe Girardi right now. But it was recorded in between innings. You're getting, like, a real what a manager thinks. So I think he is going to make a move into coaching at some point. I think he'll have the opportunity to be a manager. And he has so much to offer in terms of what to do right, what to do wrong, how to approach the game, and just baseball intelligence. But him being, you know, whether it's pregame, doing actual broadcasts, whatever it is, um, is going to be – wildly entertaining you don't think he's got like too much other stuff going like think about all the stuff he's got going on in his life you think he wants to be spending nine months out of the year focused on baseball managing and traveling around on red-eye flights cross-country going to oakland like he doesn't want to do that well if you think about it like he's got a rod corp um you know starting up in there everyone's seeing a rod corp like the merch because he, you know, had some polo shirts made and everyone wanted them. So there's money to be made there. But A-Rod Corp is like real estate development. Um, and he's actually, I remember, wasn't he in um, like Architects Digest or something about? Yeah. Like he, he bought property in Miami uh, and like turned it for like a $30 million profit, like back in the early 2000s or something. Yeah, and I think, you know, he gets that, you know, he's got that up and running, that's churning away, and he was able to do that while being a player. And I don't think money is important to him anymore. Well, I mean, <laughs> when you've made $500 million playing baseball, it really becomes unimportant because you have so much of it. I've worked for startups, and I've worked for guys who've sold companies for hundreds of millions of dollars. And I had one tell me, he goes, after the first $100 million, like, it doesn't matter anymore. After you have $100 million, nothing else matters. It doesn't matter if you have 150, 105, 200. If you have 100 million, it really doesn't matter until you're at like a billion. So 
I could see him saying, you know, seeing how his redemption story is going. Now, he may love broadcasting and keep doing that. But Hal Steinbrenner has said there's I forget what the three things are that he looks for in a manager. They asked him earlier this year, but, you know, it was like knowledge of the game, passion of the game and like something else. And and he said, Alex has all of those. Uh, it, it would just be such a huge distraction. And we actually have a mailbag question about it that I think uh, we'll get into it a little bit more. Uh, but I mean, A-Rod, A-Rod ha- that, would be, that would be the biggest distraction. He would become the focus. Think about when he came to, to camp this, this spring just to mentor some young kids and take them out to dinner. I mean, every story out of Yankee spring training was A-Rod, A-Rod, A-Rod. If he was the manager, it would be the same way. It would be like whatever happened on the field was secondary to whatever A-Rod decides. Well, I think it would have to – it couldn't be right away. Like, you know, there's, you know, obviously questions of is this Girardi's last year, um, you know, a- anything like that. But if if this was Girardi's next year, there would still have to be another manager in between. All right, I'm going to read that uh, mailbag question now. We're about to get into mailbags anyway. It comes from the underscore comedian on Instagram. And he says, if this is Girardi's last year, what is his legacy? And then someone replied to him on Instagram at uh, at hands dupe. Makes me wonder if they'd give A-Rod a shot at managing. He has a brilliant baseball mind. I'd also like to see Tony Pena and Paul O'Neill. So... I mean, I just think that if A-Rod's going to manage, it it shouldn't be with the Yankees because it's too high profile. Like, let him go manage Miami or let him go manage, you know, some other Arizona or something. And I think even in order to do it, he would have to he'd have to go be a, he'd have to be a bench coach at some point. Or I don't think he'd manage minor league team, but he'd have to go do something. He can't just go from the field broadcast booth to that because then when he fails, it's. You know, it, it was a sideshow, uh, but I could see him doing it at some point. Tony Pena um, would be great. Paul O'Neill I, I mean, is no shot like, that he wants to do that. Yeah. What What is Paul O'Neill? Paul O'Neill seems like he has the perfect life. He plays golf like 250 days a year, and then he calls like 25 games on yes a season. And he is beloved in New York City. Everybody loves Paul O'Neill. And there's no quicker way to be hated than becoming the manager of a baseball team. Exactly. Paul O'Neill only Paul O'Neill only does the Yes Network thing so that he could pay his greens fees. Like that's <laughs> that's all it is. It's just he's just making golf money and getting away from the family for a little bit. And he <laughs> says even they follow him sometimes. Yeah. And probably water his plants in Westchester or wherever his house is. Yeah. Uh, he has no I don't think he has any interest in, in doing that. Um and dealing with that, he'd probably rip some rookie's head off like right away. Um, it'll be interesting if if this is Girardi's last year, yeah. Which I could see them just saying like, "Hey, it's just time." At a certain point, sometimes it's just time for a change. I think we'd have to have disaster this year. Like there would have to be clubhouse issues. The team would have to be in last place. Like if this team is semi-competitive again, I, I don't think they fire him. I don't think they could justify it if he. A, a big thing, because I thought him and Cashman, Cashman's contracts up. Yeah, this year they're too. both they're both free. They're agents. both on three year deals, and I said at the time the reason these were three year deals is because over the next you know two years, who the hell wants this team? Who wants to run this team? Because it was a disaster, and it was headed towards disaster. Cashman has now shown that he can really general manage, not just sign players. He's done great work with these trades recently. You know, the last year has been like a resurgence for him. And there's still a chance that they even say with him, um, you know, it's time, you know, he moves to another role within the organization, but he he has earned the right to stay, I believe. And Girardi, it's just going to be he's been managing these older players can, and he has a history of managing younger players in Miami for that one year. But can he make that adjustment back? Can he properly utilize any young arms that come up um, and, and manage playing time and keep the clubhouse. And if he can do those things and he wants to continue to manage, I see them giving him another two or three year deal. And in two years, if he's got a year left and nothing's happened or they're like on the verge, he could end up getting cut 
we make the, the you know the big free agent splash that we need to make and someone gets to come into you know a Tory like situation it's just wild that if he gets another contract after this he will manage for longer than Joe Tory yeah and i mean it seemed like Joe Tory was there forever uh he got the boot probably sooner than uh, a lot of people thought it kind of went sour there at the end but yeah i mean Girardi's one of these guys that i it, he frustrates me on so many levels, but I know that he is probably one of the better managers in baseball. Like, there's so many managers out there would do such a shittier job than Girardi, especially with the overpriced and underperforming players that the Yankees have had. Yeah, it's going to be. But, you know, Girardi, Girardi had to have so, you know, so many bad contracts for a few years here. And put up with a lot that I don't think his legacy can be bad. And if you bring us big thing in New York, you bring us a World Series, even if it's just one, we'll love you. And he won some as a player too. Yeah. So, I mean, that's got to be lumped in with his legacy in New York. Oh yeah, yeah, a thousand percent. All right. The next mailbag comes from Dave S. He says, with CC stinking it up so far this spring, is it possible the Yankees cut him like they did with A-Rod before his contract ends? And just a quick stats on CC. He's uh, two and two thirds innings, eight, hit, eight hits, three Ks, 13.5 ERA. He got absolutely rocked uh, in his Atlanta start. And I know there was a couple errors behind him, but uh, the big the big fella, uh, as you call him, Mama Bear, has looked rough so far. Well, I mean, he had a good first start. Those two innings were very good two innings. He just he had a terrible outing yesterday, and he said he he said he feels good. He said he you know it wasn't anything physical. It's not a knee. It's not his arm. He just stunk, and I'd rather he just stinks now than he does during the season. Uh, I don't see a way where they walk just walk away from. Him. He'd have to be absolute garbage with the way our rotation is um uh, unless we were going out there and we have four guys win 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 loss win 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 right. loss and that happens like five times in a row yeah like that then he gets moved to the bullpen well he gets put he gets put on the phantom injury disabled list yeah he's gonna i mean that's one of the things with being a pitcher is you can just get buried in the bullpen uh could he get put in the bullpen there's definitely a chance of that. Um, I think there has been for a few years. But, you know, CeCe is the player that he is now. He's an older player. He's battled a lot of injuries. He's, you know, overpaid. Uh, but he's a number five starter. He may be the, you know, top three guys right now because we don't know who the other two are. But he's a number four, number five starter. He uh, he had a much better than expected 2016 it was probably his best season since 2012 um and i think that might be getting fans expectations up just slightly on cc yeah I, it's just you know there's a big adjustment as long as he's not an alcoholic if you look at his numbers the years he said he was an alcoholic were his so that was 2013 years. and 14 and 15 yeah if you actually look at and you isolate he said i was an alcoholic for three years and if you look at those stats they're atrocious and that's when it fell off. And he last year he came back. Sometimes he looked terrible, but that's just the pitcher he is. That's what happens, you know, with these contracts. I don't see though because sometimes you just need guys to go out there and eat innings. And uh, he could be absolutely terrible. He's still going to be a good clubhouse guy, and he could just be a reliever that never gets used or comes in to mop, you know, mop up when someone gets shelled in the second inning. Yeah, they'll do what they did with Teixeira instead, rather than do what they did with A-Rod. Because A-Rod, it was the fact that he had the this year, too, on his contract that made everything so messy. Where Teixeira, they could just be like, all right, we'll put up with you for the next two months, and then you're retiring. Yeah, if A-Rod, yeah, if A-Rod's contract was up last year, he would have finished the season. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right. Next mailbag comes from Steven and he says, I know spring training stats don't matter, but Chris Carter has struck out in half of his at bats, which is essentially what Aaron judge did last season. And the Yankees said they wouldn't tolerate that. So why are they okay with Carter striking out so much, assuming he makes the roster? 
Um, I don't think they're okay with it. Uh, I think, you know, it, this is a guy who they took for $3 million. And for $3 million, he's, you know, there to, to strike out and hit a lot of home runs. It's what he's done his whole career. There's no real surprise to it. It's why he was available for $3 million. But if someone gets hurt and, you know, we saw Austin go down, uh, you know, right after this signing, if someone else gets hurt or there's, you know, an opportunity to give at bats or just to come off the bench, there's a chance that he's going to go deep. And sometimes you just need a guy like that to come off the bench and just be on the roster. And $3 million for the Yankees is play money. Did, were you surprised at all when they signed him? Um, a little bit, but I said right away, I wrote a blog and I said, someone's got to be hurt. And then, you know, Austin was hurt, you know, well, right I after. I don't think, that. so you think they knew? I mean, that Austin injury happened like a week later. He fouled the ball off his foot. It wasn't like, oh, he had a hamstring or something like that. Like, no, he fouled the ball in batting practice, broke his foot, so... I don't know if they're trying to drive competition or, you know, whatever the case may be, but, um, and yeah, there, you know, he fouled something off his foot after, but it was just one of those things where like, there's going to be a need, there's going to be an opportunity. Well, it was just so funny because the, the podcast immediately after they signed Carter, I ripped them for signing Carter because I was like, this is the opposite of the player that they want for this team this year. He's old and he strikes out a lot and he has no future with this team. And then three days later, four days later, uh, Austin breaks his foot, and I get trash on Twitter. How do you like the Carter signing now? So yeah, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty. It's still not. It's not necessarily a great signing. It's not a terrible signing, but for three million dollars, like it's play money, and it fit within the budget. It fit totally within the budget. The guy's got major league experience. He's not going to cause any problems, you know, in the clubhouse for you. So, and, and he's got something to prove. Now, he's only got, you know, one home run. He's only got a couple of RBIs. He's got 13 strikeouts. That's an issue. But, but again, uh, even uh, the, the the Steven said spring training stats don't matter. Yeah. Unless your team is killing like the Yankees are, then it matters. They matter when we want them to matter. Yep. Uh, I I think um, Carter, if he if he's not providing them anything, they'll just cut bait with him. Like, yeah. they, what do they owe Chris Carter? Like, if he's oh, nothing. if he has two home runs and it's June and he has forty strikeouts, they're gonna be like, all right, we're kicking you to the curb. Yeah, if he or you know, God forbid, well, not God forbid. Let's say he, you know, pull, you know, he's coming off the bench a lot, so he's not really fresh every day. He pulls a hamstring. He's got to go down for fifteen days. Tyler Austin comes back and and you know he's producing then, you know, Carter may never come back again. Yeah. It's one of those uh, – it's a valuable roster spot that we could see one of the young kids take. So Yep. Uh, the next question comes from C. Marino 16 and he says, with the embarrassment of riches we have in the middle of the infield, will Cashman make a deal at the deadline for a starting pitcher by packaging some of those infielders? And he names Mateo, Torres, Didi, and Castro. And then I'm going to read the next one too – from Steve's Cratch. That's uh, quite the name there. The Yankees are listening to offers on our boy Rob Refsnyder. Do you think it would be wise or even possible to package him with Mateo? And uh, before you answer, if they trade Gliber Torres, I am rioting. Unless maybe it's for uh, it's for uh, Mike Trout. Otherwise, I'm rioting. Yeah. Torres is only getting traded for a Mike Trout, Clayton Kershaw-like not even Kershaw because he's got back problems. Like you're, you're talking- somehow we get to pick the best players from both LA teams. Yeah, or a, a King Felix is coming. You know, that's when you even talk about it. He's not going anywhere. Mateo is, I think, expendable. Um, and I can see. I don't think the Yankees want to trade Didi. Didi's adjusted. He stepped into you know Jeter's spot. He's got a strong arm. I'm a uh, huge. I've become a huge Didi fan over the last I think he's, year. I think he. I think he sneaks his way onto the All Star team this year. Yeah, I mean, he's, and he's also just really fun and personable. Yeah, he. You know, he. Yeah, he's got his own personality. He likes to draw. You know, he, he's into like art and stuff, and like that's great. He puts himself out there enough. 
He's not too guarded. Good for you. <laughs> I yeah. I don't think he's he's in any danger of being traded. Um, I think between him and uh, Torres, they're going to figure something out. Uh, Castro has filled a hole that's been open for so long, and he you know he had some power last year. So we'll see how his year goes. I think Mateo could be traded. Ref Snyder at this point isn't going to get anything back. Yeah, I mean, he's got I mean, they totally in my opinion botched that Ref Snyder thing by not playing him for Steven Drew 2 years ago. I mean, he yeah. actually had value then. Not only was he producing on the field, but if you played him full-time in the second half that year, maybe they don't blow that lead to the Blue Jays. Or even if they still do and he does well, then he has trade value for you and you still could have traded for Starling Castro. Yeah, he that's the thing. We he's got he doesn't have enough major league experience to be worth anything to anyone. Now he could be thrown in to a deal. I think whether or not Cashman does it at the trade deadline has to do again with like how do we look? Are we, you know, in a wild card spot? Are we a game from a wild card spot? Which way are we trending? Have we been there kind of all season and you know, we've got someone, whether it's CC or someone else, is just shitting the bed, and we've got, um, you know, uh, a revolving door in one spot in the rotation. Um, you know, then I think, yeah, we go out there, we make a move, we show the team, we show the fans we're committed because we've got a lot of prospects. Not all of them are going to make it to the major leagues. Some of them are going to... A lot of them aren't going to make it to the major leagues for us. Some of them are going to get traded, and it's just a matter of when do you trade them, um, who do you trade them to, and you got to make sure not only are you getting what's right in return, but also making sure that they're not being exposed as not being as good as their hype. You know, If you've got a guy who's a number 15 prospect right now, and next year he's a number 25 prospect, what happened to those 10 spots? I think with Mateo, we saw, you know, some attitude problems last year. You know, those are things that could hurt his trade value. Definitely. And and I'm a little uh, annoyed by the fact that people treat Starling Castro like he's a bag of trash and that, like, the Yankees have no no value for him. Like, I understand he, he was frustrating at, t- at times last year, and, like, every Cub fan will tell you, well, yeah, that's Starling being Starling. But – I mean, he was still positive on this team. Why are we so quick to discard him? Like, let's actually see if uh, these prospects will materialize before we kick Castro to the curb. Yeah, and he, he hit 21 home runs for us last year. The two years before that, you could have put a folding chair at second base and it would have knocked down more balls and maybe gotten hit by some pitches. It would have, so, at the very least, made for better gifts on Twitter. Yeah, and he is... If he can keep, if he can do what he did last year, then at least he's got trade value for us. Yeah, he's reasonable contract through 20, 2019, I think. Yeah, and he's got a reasonable contract. And the difference between being in New York and when he was in Chicago is it, it's probably just an age thing. But like the Cubs at a certain point told him, you cannot go to Dominican Republic anymore. Theo Epstein was like, you cannot go there because every time you're there, there's a shooting. One of your friends got charged with rape and you were out there like you can't we can't have that. And there were no off the field issues with him or, you know, being around off the field issues at all last year. Yeah, if I'm Castro, though, and I've said this a 100 times, like I am just so bitter. I was traded the year before the Cubs win the World Series. Oh, yeah. It's got to be gut wrenching for him to watch that World Series. And he's going to see Chapman. He saw Chapman leave, and he's going to see Chapman come back with a ring. <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's got to be brutal. Um, all right, final thing I want to mention is that uh, one of our listeners, Scott Miller, at ScottJCMiller89 on Twitter, set up a Bronx Pinstripes March Madness group. So if you want to join that, it's an ESPN tournament. Search Bronx Pinstripe Show, and you can join that. I joined it today. I'm sure Scott will join it when he's back. JJ, if you want to uh, make another bracket, I'm sure you already have one. Uh, feel I free to none. join as well. Oh, really? I, I like hardly ever do them. I know like nothing about college basketball. I'm basically like the girl in the office who, who just like picks like, oh, this seems fun. I um I watch games like when it gets good 
or if there's a big game, I watch it. My favorite thing, though, is to watch like a one versus 16 seed and only when like the one like blows them out by like 40 and like the white guy at the end of the bench gets in like that really gets me going. That was my school. The last time we got in UVM was in it when I was in college and I think they were down by like 38 at halftime. Uh, but UVM's in it again this year, and of course I picked them to go pretty far in the tournament. So my bracket's going to suck. <laughs> um, all right, you can follow JJ on Twitter, at BarstoolJJ. Follow the podcast at Yankees Podcast. I'm at Andrew underscore Rotondi, and Scott is at Scott Reinen. JJ, thanks a lot for coming on, and I'm sure we'll have you on again once the season gets going. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm always happy to come on. There's not enough... Uh good Yankee podcast that I get invited on so I, I love coming on and talking to you guys and again um, just let me know where to send the flowers for Scott after he ate that thing on Twitter. <laughs> he needs a tapeworm to get that thing out of his system. Uh, hey you know what I'm trying to get in season in uh, shape for the beach I could go for a tapeworm yeah, or that thing. Yeah alright thanks and uh, have a good week everybody when they don't know my last name, I through the city with my headphones on and when the villain is gone I'll turn around and go Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.